0: promotional consideration for Growing Greater Philadelphia provided by the General Building Contractors Association.
1: This is Growing Greater Philadelphia, bringing you the stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11-county community of Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry.
0: Together, we can accomplish anything. Teamwork makes the dream work. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And my favorite, there's no I in team. Now, you likely recognize these common phrases that oftentimes are used to promote the notion of working together to reach a collective goal. We are taught as kids and throughout life that collaborating with others delivers greater success than if we operate in isolation. In life and in business, no matter how independent a person may be, we actually need others to help us accomplish our goals and deliver on our visions in one way or another a specific skill set, a new perspective, bouncing ideas off one another, a problem solving session that we do together. It's all part of running a successful business. And by its nature, successful businesses operate in a collaborative ecosystem. And on this episode, we take a look at two businesses that exemplify how teamwork
2: truly does make the dream work. Those were the three key triggers that led us to being excited and going all in.
0: And that excitement that Evan Brandoff just mentioned is the foundation for a revolutionary startup known as LeagueSide. This company not only employs teamwork in their business practices, they actually help children learn the importance of working together. Evan and his co-founder, Zubin Tarani, share with us just how they got the idea to help community youth sports leagues get sponsorships to fund their operations and how they help other businesses from around the world connect with their target audiences at the neighborhood level. Here, Zubin explains what League Side is all about.
3: Yeah, so what Leagueside does is we help regional and national companies like Post Cereal, Chop, and Chipotle sponsor youth sports leagues at scale. So you're probably familiar with the local pizzeria or local dentist sponsoring the the local little league. What we do is we take this fragmented market of youth sports leagues and make it easy and effective for regional and national companies to sponsor leagues as well.
0: Are some of those companies who are still involved in supporting the youth sports the local mom and pop pizza shop? Because I do love walking into a pizza shop and seeing, you know, kind of the plaque with the photo of the Little League Baseball League team on the wall.
3: Yeah, absolutely. What Side does is we're coming in and adding additional sponsorship dollars to these organizations. So not replacing the local mom pop, just making these regional and national companies more local as well. And ultimately, the cost of youth sports is rising exponentially across the country leaving tons of families and kids on the sideline. So these dollars that we're bringing back are not just effective marketing for these companies, but also helping lower those costs so more kids can play.
0: And really enhancing the opportunity for national brands to complement and be part of youth sports the same way that the local dentist office or the same way that the local printer or pizza shop has been historically for decades, really, and allowing those youth sports leagues to even excel further. You guys have a really interesting story, and I want to hear more about that. Evan, I want to turn to you for a moment and learn a little bit more about that moment where you and... Zubin came together and said you know what there actually might be something here and that that kind of seed that was planted that blossomed into what today we know as league side (laughs) yeah share with us a little bit about that
2: Zubin and I were both part of a fellowship program called venture for America it's a two-year fellowship program where you go to a city essentially that's not New York or San Francisco To work for a startup company there, to see what it takes to be an entrepreneur and also create jobs in that developing city as well. So Zubin and I were both fellows. Zubin did his fellowship in New Orleans. I did mine in Detroit. We met through a five-week training program before we went to our respective cities and immediately hit it off. And kind of had this moment where we're like, we're going to start a company together. (laughs) Nice. Then we went to our respective cities and for the next year and a half just bounced terrible business ideas off of each other. There was a idea for cutting the line at restaurants, a stock market for professional sports teams and leagues. There's probably a dozen different ideas. Yeah. Then one weekend in particular... I was volunteering at a basketball tournament in inner city Detroit. These kids were like 12 years old and dunking. It was absolutely incredible basketball. And I looked around the auditorium and realized there's no better way to connect with a passionate group of families, a passionate group of parents in the community than when they're watching their kids play sports. And in turn, we looked at a couple of local businesses sponsoring that tournament and realized that that tournament could have come to life if it wasn't for sponsorship dollars coming into that community. Zubin and I both loved playing sports growing up. I immediately called Zubin and said, I think we might have our idea. What if we could build a network of all these local community youth sports leagues? and make it just as easy for regional national companies to reach the local community sports league as it is for the local business. They have the same target audience, but the challenge is youth sports are so fragmented. Every town has a different baseball league, soccer league, football league, almost all volunteer run. So right after that tournament, I called Zubin. We had this aha moment that, wow, this resonates with us. There's a real business opportunity here.
1: Let's go for it. And we never looked back. Getting kids involved in sports early it helps them expand into being a responsible adult.
3: It's a great way for kids to learn life experiences. This is not only important to the neighborhood, but the community surrounding us, the state, the country, the world.
0: That's a clip from a league-side video highlighting their sponsorship campaign with a global vacation rental company known as HomeAway and it helps to really illustrate the ripple effects of League Side's work on youth sports. Regardless of gender, geography, ethnicity, or financial status, youth sports help children develop social skills, coordination skills, self-confidence, and so much more. In short, youth sports are vital to a child's development. And the technology and vision of League Sides model is bringing much-needed funding provided by sponsors to youth activities in communities across the country. It's an efficient and effective concept that delivers success for all. Sponsors reach their target audience. Youth leagues access funds to operate and prosper. And most importantly, kids of all ages can develop team-building life skills that will help them grow and learn personally and professionally. Kevin, so you're in Detroit. Zubin, you're in New Orleans. Nice draw. I'm trying. (laughs) You uh, you're focused on your respective projects through Venture for America and. For about 18 months or so, it sounds like you're bouncing these wacky ideas off of each other, and that's generally speaking through a text or through an email or through a phone call. All the above. All the above, yeah. So where I'm going with this is Evan walks out of this basketball tournament in Detroit. He's really inspired. He has this, I think this might be it moment, and he calls you. What was your reaction when Evan kind of presents this idea?
3: I think what makes Evan and I such a good duo is we argue a lot, both over ideas, we poke holes in each other's assumptions, all of the above. So, the first thing I started doing is poking holes in the assumption. Are we going to be able to convince these regional and national companies that sponsoring youth sports leagues is effective marketing? And then, on top of that, are we going to be able to coordinate and work with all these volunteers across all these organizations? to actually launch these campaigns at scale. And Evan and my startup route said, the best way to answer that question, just start talking to people. So Evan was heavily involved in marketing at his previous company. And so he started talking to some of his marketing contacts. I was also on the biz dev side at my company in New Orleans, started talking to some of my contacts, mm-hmm. and then going and calling our parents, and who were volunteers at youth sports leagues, talking to the, to the local leagues in the area. Evan came down to visit me and we went to a a local youth sports leagues in New Orleans. So what started with an idea, we basically made a list of, these are all the questions, here are all our assumptions. What's the quickest way from A to B to validate or invalidate each of those things.
0: I love that approach. You basically were doing a little bit of impromptu market research to see if there was anything to this wacky idea that Evan kind of put on the table for exploration.
2: And I'll take it a step further. Market research is great and necessary, but I think something we did well is we created an MVP, a minimal viable product, and went for it. Oftentimes in entrepreneurship, you see people spend too much time on building the perfect product. Mm-hmm. We kind of just went out and started selling. We started talking to brands and selling youth sports sponsorship campaigns to see if a regional or national company would buy it. So that's exactly what Subin was saying, not just talking to marketers in a sense of, do you think this is a good idea? Right. But actually seeing if they would give us dollars in order to sponsor youth sports leagues.
0: So what was the first kind of moment that you realized that there's something here? Was it a, an investment by an unexpected advertiser or sponsor who said, yeah, we'll do this? Or was it some other trigger that caused you to say, all right, now we're getting some traction?
3: I think it's a combination of both. So one of our first clients ever was Smoothie King. And when they started out with us, they spent a minimal amount sponsoring one organization. And what really proved and validated success for us is they went from that one organization to the next season sponsoring about 10 organizations in four markets. So for us, it was a aha moment where it's Youth sports sponsorships is typically thought of nonprofit donation, give back to the community. Right, But there was an actual marketing ROI that convinced them that, hey, we're not only going to run in this one league, we're going to scale this regionally.
0: Let me turn it around a little bit and play devil's advocate with you because I can absolutely see a value from a in-house marketing person or an agency representative for a large corporation like a Smoothie King, like a Nemours, or other kinds of a post cereal company, for example, Part of the challenge I would expect, and I'm curious to hear if you encountered this is, and you identified this a little bit as well, Zubin, is the other side of the equation, which is... How do we really convince these grassroots, community-led, volunteer-driven youth sports organizations to engage with us and not be kind of like suspicious about who we are and what we're trying to do?
2: Mm-hmm. Evan, did you encounter some of that? It's funny. that It's a common question we get, so you're spot on. Our mission is to make youth sports more accessible. Half the money we make goes directly to these youth sports leagues to lower the cost for kids to play. So our retention rate with leagues that we work with is 99% where they are so excited to be able to work with League Side, get additional sponsorship dollars. Plus, these kids feel like the pros when they have these big name brands on their right. jerseys and signage at the field. That is something we were nervous about in the beginning, but it couldn't be better received by people in the community.
3: Yeah, leagues still tell us what's the catch. This is too good to be true. This is amazing. So that's the great validation we've had on, on the league side so far.
0: That's great to hear. And I want to come back to that moment in, I guess it was late 14, or early 15, when you guys arrive in greater Philadelphia and you find yourselves working out of, I guess, the offices of first round out in West Philadelphia, right? Yep. Forty Forty Walnut. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you walk in and you sit down. Was League Side already kind of like shaped, or was it still in the package? And you had to take it out and start to assemble it. and I'll turn to you first.
3: Yeah, it was a lot of assembly. Back then, it was even called League Side. Original name was Hometown. Okay. And we ended up rebranding to League Side. But for us. To what Evan was talking about before, our goal with that three-month accelerator was to validate that we had a business. So, walking in every day, our goal was, do we have a business? Do we have a business? A, will regional and national companies sponsor youth sports at scale? And B, could we execute on these sponsorships and actually provide good marketing ROI to these companies while still supporting the community appropriately? Right. So... Every day, that was our two guiding principles, and everything we did every day were to answer those two questions. And so, we just kind of hit the ground running and figured it out as we went.
0: Evan and Zubin have ambitious plans for growth, and you can hear our full conversation with them online, 1210wpht.com slash select. Next, one construction company is all about building strong bones. Philadelphia region has over 3
1: million skilled workers in virtually all occupations and industry sectors. Our diverse workforce contributes to the success of regional, national, and international companies throughout the community. For more information on Philadelphia's workforce, visit selectgreaterphl.com or listen to the Growing Greater Philadelphia podcast at radio.com. Drexel University was founded in 1891 and is one of the region's top 10 private employers with three campuses in Philadelphia. Learn more about Drexel University at Drexel.edu or call 215-895-2000. Hey, everybody. It's Matt. My team and I at
0: Select Greater Philadelphia are so proud to bring you the Growing Greater Philadelphia radio and podcast program. These amazing stories of business success and economic development and transformational projects, well, they're really inspiring and we hope you agree. I want to thank the team at General Building Contractors Association, also known as GBCA. Without their belief in us at Select Greater Philadelphia and their highly engaged support of this podcast, we could not do what we do every day Every day to showcase the business assets of our 11 county community, the expert construction professionals who are members of the GBCA are literally helping to build the future of greater Philadelphia. Learn more about all that GBCA does to advance the commercial, industrial and institutional construction industry by visiting GBCA.com and join me in thanking General Building Contractors Association for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia.
1: With a history of more than 130 years of service across the greater Philadelphia community, PICO has a long standing commitment to a culture of excellence. At PICO, we strive to advance smart energy solutions to provide safe, reliable, affordable, and clean energy and energy services to our customers and the communities we serve. Learn more about PICO at PICO.com. This is Growing Greater Philadelphia. From the city to the suburbs, stories about how our region is thriving and transforming.
0: Collaboration is key in everything we do, and that's especially true in the construction industry. A bridge, a roadway, a building, they cannot be designed and constructed by just one individual. Multiple firms and many teams come together to take an idea from concept to reality, transforming it from a vision to a blueprint to a physical brick-and-mortar type of structure.
4: We'd be nowhere without our people.
0: As president of O'Donnell and Nacarado, Tony Nacarado is part of a team of creative, structural engineers who provide the glue that bind together the skilled laborers, architects, and others who deliver on a project. With deep roots in greater Philadelphia that date back to the 1950s, Tony explains how his company has maintained success over time.
4: Yeah. Again, we have the benefit of being here and being here for so long. We've become a go-to consulting firm for many architecture firms that are located in the Delaware Valley. We've, we've also partnered with many architecture firms that come from outside the region. They have a national practice and they have a client that's coming into the area or expanding into the area or a hospital yeah. that's going to be built or a healthcare facility. So we're thrilled to be able to be in places like Camden. Mm-hmm. where we've designed Subaru's new headquarters. Oh, cool. It's right. going to bring all those jobs into Camden, into downtown Camden. We were uh, proud to be the designers of Holtec's new facility in Camden. Yep. And right now we have an office building that we can look right out our window and see going up right there on the waterfront that's going to house three major companies again moving relocating into downtown camden
0: that's great part Uh, of the renaissance that we're seeing happen there
4: look it happened here in philadelphia yeah and we uh, still is and still is but our firm in 1981 i mentioned we moved into the bors building Mm -hmm. in old city yeah and in 1981 it was a different old city yeah fifth street between chestnut and market probably wasn't as cool Not nearly as cool. Right. And at night, you know, the grates would come down on Market Street and you didn't have all the people living in Old City. So we've been part of that renaissance and we've been part of renovating buildings like the Boris, like the Lip Brothers building, uh, like Wanamaker, City Hall Annex, many, many of Philadelphia's fine buildings, right, which have become anchors for even more development, newer development. And what we've seen over the last 10 years in particular. This residential boom, Hmm. all of the different apartment buildings and condominium towers that are bringing people back and living in Center City proper yeah that's right
0: that's exactly right yeah if we're not number one we're right up there for sure but I also recognize that you know you've done work in King of Prussia at the Court of King of Prussia Mm -hmm. down in Wilmington Delaware the Brandywine Town Center over in West Deptford New Jersey there's a massive warehouse called the Forest Park Corporation Warehouse and up in Bristol Bucks County the USI Columbia Lighting Building you know these are all projects that you and your team have worked on over the years and in helping to kind of reshape not just what's happening in center city philadelphia to your point but it's happening across the greater philadelphia neighborhood and it's really part of the renaissance and Where I'm going with all this, Tony, is there's a part of your business that is not just about the skeleton, as you were describing it, where the building kind of hangs together because of the work that structural engineers like O'Donnell and Nakarado are so expert at doing, but there's also this niche area that your team has become really accustomed to, and that has to do with
4: ensuring the facades of these buildings maintain their integrity. Talk with us a little bit about that. So Philly's an old city. I mean, we have a lot of older structures, older buildings many of them are masonry buildings masonry was used many times as a not just a facade material but a load-bearing material And uh, over time, older buildings in particular, you get some wear and tear. Mm -hmm. Weather and water and pollutants in the air all combine to create conditions that are oftentimes cause masonry and masonry components to degrade a little bit. So it's incumbent on owners now, building owners, to have their facades evaluated on a five-year basis. Okay. And uh, that's a law that was put in place, I guess, about 10 or or 11 years ago. Yeah and uh, we seized on that opportunity we had already been doing the work and we thought well this is a a great opportunity to help building owners and clients existing clients and new clients to make sure their facades are safe sure uh, to make sure their facades aren't degrading because of mortar joints that are open or caulk joints that have failed any number of reasons windows that are leaking yeah and uh, give them kind of a, a snapshot or a playbook, if you will, as to how to maintain. Because it's not just finding the problems. Then it's how do we then move forward and actually – help them to fix those, those yeah. problems and those issues.
0: It makes so much sense. And it's one of those things that we often take for granted. You know, you walk by a building and you think, of course, it's safe. It's not going to fall or have some sort of uh, issue. So it's a really worthwhile, clearly, procedure that you and your team do. And, and again, it's one of those things that those of us who are listening and are thinking about this structural
4: engineering space kind of take that stuff for granted. So thank you for doing that service. Well, yeah. We're happy to do it. Yeah. And look, one of the things that makes our city great is the mix of the old and the new Yes, we really care about our old buildings. We have organizations like the Preservation Alliance of Philadelphia, sure, which I'm a board member. We're out there to make sure that we maintain our sense of place, right? As a historic city, as a city with the, you know all the different history and all the components, and and how much you know we mean to the to the birth of this country, right? And if we're going to ask people to preserve their buildings, then we want to be there to help them do that's right.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's one of those things that really makes and I know this sounds cliche, but it's not it's one of those things that makes Philadelphia so special. It's our history. And it's the the integrity of that architecture and preservation alliance is a big part of that. I know one of the other things that makes our community so special, too, and that you're actively involved with and working with and through is the General Building Contractors Association. And I know there's a program that you helped to establish. I think it's called the ACE initiative?
4: It's called the ACE Mentor Program, actually. And yeah, uh, yeah, GBCA is a great partner in that. We actually hold our board meetings at their office. ACE Mentoring is a really interesting program. It was founded by a structural engineer, Dr. Charles Thornton from uh, Thornton Tomasetti, a big time international structural engineer. But he saw that scholarship monies that uh, universities had in New York, they couldn't find candidates. They Mm. couldn't, they just, kids weren't going into the the engineering and the And the architecture programs as frequently as they were, uh, you know, with his generation. Yeah, and uh, he saw a need for our industry, and he also saw a need to help attract different folks. Yeah, and in particular, inner city folks, inner inner city kids that maybe didn't grow up in the industry like I did, didn't have the opportunity to learn at a very young age all the benefits that a career in the construction industry has. Yeah, and that goes from every gamut, not just professional, but also the trades sure. and people that, that are actually putting the buildings together. So ACE really tries to fill that void and to bring together professionals, yep. volunteers from firms all throughout the city and beyond with inner city high school students, students here in Philadelphia, a couple of the other suburban areas around Philadelphia. And yep. I would say there's probably somewhere between four and 400, and 400 50 students actively being mentored right now through this program. And wow. GBCA is a great partner in that as well as the AIA here in mm-hmm. Philadelphia and so many other firms and the schools that have engineering programs and architecture programs.
0: So ACE for those who may not be as familiar, architecture, construction, engineering. That's it. And the fact that there's about 4 to 450 young people who are being mentored through the ACE program is really incredible. I wouldn't have guessed that many. And I love the concept that you were just spelling out that many young people aren't exposed to any of this. It all depends on their environment and the opportunities that they're provided throughout their young lives in elementary school, middle school, high school, of different tracks and different paths that they could consider pursuing. So to your point a moment ago, just creating the awareness that there's something that they could accomplish in the construction or engineering or architectural (laughs) space is really, really special. And, Tony, where I'm going with all this is... What do you tell a young person that you meet and that you're mentoring about what you do, what they could accomplish, especially when it comes to being an entrepreneur? Because that's really what you are and what your dad is and what Seymour was and what Bill O'Donnell is as well. And, you know, it's you're running a business. It just happens to be in the architectural and structural design space as well. And
4: I'd love for you to share with us how those conversations with young people flow. Yeah. And look, some of us are entrepreneurial and. And some of us wanna just go to work and, and work for someone and, and do their job. And again, I think through the example of my father, I've always gravitated towards the idea of you know not just doing engineering, but being able to bring the business of engineering to fruition and to expand our business and to make it better. Mm-hmm. I think what I basically tell students is, look, if you're gonna go into engineering, be the best engineer you could possibly be. To learn everything you could possibly learn and really be that sponge yeah but don't forget that you have to communicate with people, mm-hmm. both written and verbal, right you know they joke around about the engineer has the pocket protector, and yeah. we're always looking at our shoes, and we have some stereotypes I think that are you know not that far off, sure, and I've always strived to never be that engineer. We have to always have good, strong relationships with our clients. And that takes just being a person, being a, you know interested, caring about that person and that person's needs and what it is you're gonna try to solve for them. And I think a lot of it comes with just the experiences that when you start young, you're maybe not interacting with a lot of people outside your office, but then all of a sudden as you get a little bit older, uh, a little bit wiser in the business, you start to interact with peers and other firms, and leadership qualities come out. And the people that demonstrate that they want to lead and they want to be a leader in our firm, given that opportunity. And I'm proud to say that right now we have 12 Partner principles. We're mm-hmm. very much focused on. It's not just the names on the door. It's all right. the people that are participating. We have an ESOP ownership structure. Oh, cool. Which yeah. uh, really, I think, has helped us culturally make the jump from an entrepreneurial firm two guys to yeah. multiple people, and yeah. it's allowed us a great platform for ownership transition yeah. because of the tax benefits associated with it. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned ESOP, but share with us a little bit more. What does ESOP actually stand for?
4: ESOP stands for Employee Stock Ownership plan. Okay. And it's essentially like a retirement plan, but the ownership of the company, when my dad and Bill O'Donnell retired, we're moving towards retirement, a good portion of the stock that they were selling was sold, basically put in trust for the employees. Mm -hmm. And so the firm is about 60% owned by the employees.
0: You can hear how their ESOP program has helped foster growth and deeper engagement across their team by tuning into our full interview, 1210WPHT.com slash select. Growing Greater Philadelphia is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia, a council of the Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Select is the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania, and helps to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses and new jobs to our region. Special thanks to the team at General Building Contractors Association, also known as GBCA. The expert construction professionals who are members of the GBCA are literally helping to build the future of greater Philadelphia. Learn more about all that GBCA does to advance the commercial, industrial, and institutional construction industry by visiting gbca.com. An extra special thanks to our program producers, Elena Carmisen and Maricela Juarez, along with the great marketing and creative services professionals at our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia and at Entercom. Learn more at selectgreaterphl.com and tune in to our growing Greater Philadelphia podcast anytime at 1210wphd.com slash select
1: growing greater philadelphia is brought to you by yo yo a day and zimmerman company and a proud investor of select greater philadelphia for more than 75 years yo has been a leading specialty technology recruiting provider in the philadelphia region and is one of the oldest staffing firms in the nation learn more about yo at yo.com that's y-o-h.com as one of the 10 largest banks in the U.S., TD Bank has approximately 2,600 employees and roots, tracing back to the community for over 150 years. Learn more about TD Bank at tdbank.com or call one 888 751
0: Independence Blue Cross, a proud sponsor
1: of the Select Greater Philadelphia Council. Independence Blue Cross is the largest health insurer of the Philadelphia region, serving more than 2.5 million people locally and 8.5 million people in 23 states and Washington, D.C. Learn more about Independence Blue Cross at ibx.com. This segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to you by Comcast, NBC Universal, a proud investor of Select Greater Philadelphia Council. Comcast is deeply committed to the Philadelphia community and is proud to be headquartered here since it was founded as a startup 55 years ago. Learn more about Comcast at ComcastCorporation.com. First Hospital, the first medical college, pharmacy school, university, private biomedical research center. Greater Philadelphia is a region of firsts. These milestones have produced a spirit of collaboration that continues today. For more information on collaborative projects in Philadelphia, visit selectgreaterphl.com.